morning, everyone, and welcome, welcome to our service this morning. And uh, I just have a few announcements here uh, to give before we start our service. Just want to thank everyone who helped at yesterday's community carol service. Uh, a special thanks to, to Bill Keary, who got us the tree, and to Raymond and John and George, who spent uh, several hours of their day getting the lights on safely and did a brilliant job there. To all those involved in providing and serving the refreshments afterwards, it was brilliant. And uh, of course, to Ben, who did a lot of the groundwork in my absence. So, and of course, Cumber Brass Band and John Honeyford uh, for his professional expertise in setting up the PA and the PowerPoint and the screensaver. And to Rini as well for helping uh, in keeping the band up to speed and every, everyone else that was involved in welcoming people and making people feel welcome. Thanks to everyone. Every person's job was a very important one, so appreciate it very much. Uh, Christmas, as you know, for some people can be a difficult time. And if you've lost a loved one, it can be difficult uh, when so many people are having fun all around you and you yourself are grieving. Well, I would like to provide an opportunity for anyone who's going through that to come along on Thursday the 14th of December, that's this Thursday at a quarter past two, uh, just to the church vestibule. We'll sit maybe in the vestibule and we'll read a few comforting scriptures and I'll pray with each of you as well and we'll just try and encourage one another. My father died on the 17th of December um, so I know what it feels like on the mouth of Christmas. Um, but we can, we can be there for one another. And if you'd like to come along, it's going to be very informal just. And it will be just reading a few scriptures and praying. I'll pray for you and just give you a wee bit of strength um, over Christmas. Next Sunday evening, uh, the 17th of December, we have our carol service at 7 p.m. here in the church. Um, on Tuesday then, on the 19th of December, we have an opportunity to take time out to reflect on the real meaning of Christmas. Just take time out of the buzz and the, the hassle. The church will be open from 2 p.m. to half past three, again from seven o'clock to 8.30, and there'll be special spaces around the church uh, with particular themes linked with Christmas, um, as well as some notes to guide you and uh, to help you reflect and to pray. Uh, we hope you'll accept this invitation just to step away from the busyness and the hassle that there is in Christmas at times and enjoy as short or as long a time as you want just to come here and spend time with God um, and be refreshed. Please also see that the appeal for volunteers to help with live streaming and contact, please talk, contact Tom Shaw if you can help. would really encourage you to do that because many of the people that depend on um, feeding from our church and knowing what's going on depends on live streaming. They watch it at home and it's just, it's a lifeline for them. We want to be able to keep it going. So if you could help in any way, uh, that would be brilliant um, to go on a rota basis. It would be super. Okay. I think that, oh, just one more. I got a wee letter during the week. Um, uh, Dear Reverend Shaw, this is from Scripture Union. Please pass on our thanks to the congregation of Ballycrock and Presbyterian Church for this kind donation for the work of Scripture Union Northern Ireland. Your financial support for E3 North Down and Utenards helps to make God's good news known to children and young people throughout the area. 
Okay, so we're going to just start our service. Uh, I love Psalm 46, one of my favorite psalms. Um, right at the end of the psalm, in verse 10, there's those famous words, Be still and know that I am God. And I love it that verse 1 refers to trouble. Verse 2 refers to if, if mountains collapse and fall into the sea. Verse 3 refers to nations and uproar and wars. So there's so much, like... Uh, tragedy going on in verse 1, 2, and 3, or potential tragedy, and then God says, be still and know that I am God. It's, it's God's invitation, God's call to come in the midst of our circumstances, which might be hectic and even painful, and come into the eye of the storm and to meet the Lord in the eye of the storm. Be still and know that I am God. So let, let's just uh, take a wee moment to still our hearts before the Lord. Father, we thank you that you are in our midst. And Lord, the busyness of the week we can leave to the side, or the worries about this week we can leave to the side. We want to just be in the presence of the great I Am, the one who is present with us now, we thank you, Lord, for your presence and your promises to us to be with us, not just in this service, but to be with us when we leave this service, to be with us in all of our tomorrows. We pray, Father, that our hearts might be open and still before you, that you might speak to us by your Holy Spirit throughout this service. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. So I'm delighted. Uh, to introduce our band to you. We're going to have our first uh, song. We're going to sing with them. We're going to stand and sing with them. I'm so glad um, that I'm here for this. The last time the lights all blew or whatever, the electricity blew, and I never got to see them. They never got to play, but I'm glad that they have that opportunity now. going to hand it over to them. And let's stand and uh, sing. Ben. <laughs>
guys that was excellent and hopefully there'll be lots more of this so that is brilliant thank you very much for your hard work for that uh, Karen and on all the band um, okay I'll come down in a minute okay I want to if the children want to come up to the front that's okay but like to come up to the front that'd be great Okay, I want to read a wee passage. It's from the message, uh, the Bible, from chapter 4, uh, verse 4 to verse 8 in Philippians. It says, Don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers. Letting God know your concerns before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness. Everything coming together for good will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. Summing it all up, friends, I'd say you'll do best by filling your minds and meditating, that is, thinking on things true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious, the best, not the worst, the beautiful, not the ugly, things to praise, not things to curse, and put into practice what you learned from me, what you heard and saw and realized. Do that, and God, who makes everything work together, will work you into his most excellent harmonies. So, boys and girls, have you ever heard of sign language? Yes, for the deaf. If you heard the sign language, have you? I want to teach you a little bit, a couple of words from sign language this morning. Okay, now, this is for the word happy, okay? You go, you hit your chest upward like that, and smile. You do a big smile. Happy, happy, okay? Now sad is like this. Sad, sad. Happy, sad. 
Okay, let's, adults, let's try it, okay, because I want you to answer a couple of questions in a minute. Right, happy, sad, I'm happy, I'm sad. Okay, now I've got some pictures for you here, and I want you to tell me, by doing the, either the sad or the happy, does this picture make you feel happy, <laughs> or does it make you feel sad? Okay, Santa Claus, ha no, it's a happy answer, you nearly got me doing that too, like, it makes you feel happy, yes, good, now, what about this picture, ice cream, happy, okay, what about this one, this is your mother, Shouting at you. <laughs> Makes you feel sad. Very sad. Okay? <laughs> All right. Now, what about this one? This wee boy has hurt his knee. Sad. Very sad. Okay. And uh, <laughs> this wee boy. He's sick in bed. Sad. Unless you want to stay off school. In that case, you'll be happy. <laughs> Why are you laughing at that, Grace? Have you tried that before, have you? What about this? Happy. Oh, you don't like football, so for Grace, it's sad. Do you like it? Do you like football? Do you? Manchester United's not very pleasant at the moment. Anyway, you were really, really good at that. Now, I want to have a wee look at this. The man that wrote Philippians, this is a, a letter written to the people in a place called Philippi. And that's Paul. And he was in prison writing this letter. Do you think he was happy? Or do you think he was sad? You would think that they'd be sad. If I was in prison, I think I would be sad. Yes, but Paul actually, in writing this letter, he tells us he's rejoicing. He is happy. How can you be happy in prison? Well, Paul was excited because, see, when he was in prison, about every three or four hours, there'd be a, a guard would come and chain himself, chain, chain himself to Paul. Now, that's not a nice thing. But what it meant for Paul was that he got to share about Jesus, tell him about Jesus. This man couldn't get away. The guard couldn't get away because he was chained to him. And Paul thought this was great. He was able to share about Jesus to him. And then he would finish his shift and another guard would come in and put, be chained again. So he'd share Jesus with this man and it would go on and on. And he actually says, I'm rejoicing because I'm getting to share Jesus with every single guard. Every Roman guard knows why I'm in here, and I share Jesus with them. So, um, um, let me see. I want to read a wee bit of this again to you. Because, you know, all of us have worries, don't we? Worry about different things. And Paul tells us, do not be anxious about anything. He says, don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Now, I've got some 
anybody, is there anybody strong here? You're strong? Do you think you could? Oh, that is, that's quite heavy. See if you can lift that. Oh, you're strong. See if you can lift that. Oh, it's light? Oh, you're muscle man. Here, Charlie, try. Easy? Goodness, I must be weak. Okay, in here, I have different rocks. Because sometimes worry is like a rock. It feels like when we're worried, we're carrying a heavy bag behind us. And when, when, when Paul says about praying, instead of worrying, pray about it. You know, there could be something, there could be, you might be worried about a wee bully. Somebody that's annoying you at school. And you leave it down before the Lord. Now, if anybody's bullying you, you must either tell the teacher, tell your parents, don't let it go on, okay? But if you're worried about a friend, maybe, maybe you've lost a friend. Maybe your friend's fallen out with you and you're worried about it because you want to make friends again. Leave it down before the Lord. Now, let me see, what else could you... Or about a wee pet... You could be worried about your dog if it's not well, your wee cat, or your tortoise. Anybody got a tortoise? You got a tortoise, Daisy, have you? Yeah. What's he called? Flash. Flash! <laughs> that's, a, that's a brilliant name for him. Well, sometimes you might be worried about Flash. He's just not eating as much lettuce today. Is there something wrong with him? And just you leave it with the Lord. And gradually, that's what Paul means about instead of worrying, pray. Instead of worrying, pray. Leave it down. Exams. I used to get awful nervous about exams. You, do you get nervous about wee tests coming up for Christmas? Yeah. Yeah. Just leave it down before the Lord. And uh, that's, I think, they're just ordinary rocks. <laughs> so it's, a, it's a basically come to the Lord and leave everything down. And why carry it about on your shoulders? Leave it there and don't pick it up again. And leave it with the Lord. And that's what Paul is saying here. Just leave it with Jesus. Um, now, you know, do you know what? Worries are like thoughts that, are, that make us sad. And in there, your wee brain, what you think about affects your mood whether you're happy or whether you're sad. It affects how you feel it. It affects even sometimes your behavior. So it's very, very important what we think about, that we start to think about things that are happy instead of things that are sad. And that's what Paul talks about here. He says, Paul says, think about these things. He says, Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if, any, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. He's saying, think about good things. Think about good things. And, you know, we don't stop worrying by going, I'm not going to worry. 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 How we stop worrying, this is what Paul says, is that, we displace the, the worrying thoughts with good thoughts, like this. Imagine this is there are two compartments in your mind, and you've got worrying, which makes you sad, 
and you've got happy thoughts. Well, Paul is saying, kick that one out of the way. Displace that one. Start thinking about happy thoughts, and you'll displace the worrying thoughts. And you know, the most important thing, the most lovely thing to think about is this, is Jesus. Think of Jesus, how much he loves you, how much he wants to be with you, how much he cares for you. I've got one more sign to teach you. Do you know what the sign is for Jesus in sign language? You take your middle finger here, press it there on your left hand, and then Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Why do you think that's the sign for Jesus? Does that give you any clues? Why do you think that's the sign? What happened to Jesus' hands on the cross? Yes, Charlotte. The nails went through them. That's right. And that's, look, that's what, you know, that reminds us when we think of Jesus and we do that sign, it reminds us that he died for each of us in our place. And the nails went through his hands and through his feet. And he took God's judgment that we could have forgiveness and that we could have Jesus as our best friend, as our Savior, and go to be with him one day in his home. So that's a lot for you to think about this morning. But uh, what we're going to sing, it's not a new song, but it's a song I love, and I think you should learn it because I love it. It's an old one, but it's for mums and dads and everybody. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because I have Jesus... I can face tomorrow, whether it's school, whether it's hospital, whatever I have to face tomorrow, because Jesus lives, I can face tomorrow. Let's sing that together.
Boys and girls, go out to Sunday Club. We're really looking forward to their video next week. It's going to be shown in church. We'll see what you've all been up to. Okay, have a good time. Have a nice time. And your offering will be received at this point. Father, we do thank you for sending Jesus. And this is an exciting season whenever we consider the one who created the universe coming down to earth to tabernacle, to pitch his tent with us, to walk with us, to suffer with us, to go to the cross that he might win our affection, that we might win our forgiveness through him. We thank you. We cannot thank you enough for what you have done. And we pray, God, that you would use these offerings of ours uh, to promote the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ in our church and in this community. In Jesus' name, amen. going to invite Robert Lark now. He's going to lead us in prayer of intercession. Let us pray. Father, we realize and are thankful that in our time of intercession this morning, we are in the presence of the one we deserve to be honored and worshiped, and whose promises can be trusted even during uncertain times. We thank you that at this season of the year, you have given us many opportunities to celebrate the sending of your son, Jesus. However, we confess that in our busyness, we often allow ourselves to get caught up in all the activities going on in the world around us, and so lose sight of our calling to rejoice in what you have done by providing a savior. We ask that your spirit will move amongst us, helping us to prepare our hearts and minds to truly focus on worshiping you and serving others. Show us how we can become more faithful to you, our faithful God, who has given us so much. We thank you for the recent opportunities you have given us to tell others about you and the reasons why we celebrate Christmas. We're looking forward to more opportunities, such as the carol services, 
for both young and older folk over the next few weeks. And we know that seed has and will be shown, sown, as your word is explained. We pray that in time, this seed will blossom and grow into fruit as people's lives are changed. It is our longing to see people turn in faith to you. We particularly ask that the school children and their teachers who come into our sanctuary here next week to hold their services will be blessed and that there will be a sense of power and glory of the one who is being worshipped. As different organisations and groups have their times of celebration, we pray that your spirit will be working in hearts and minds of those who attend the activities to reveal the true wonder and message of this marvellous Christmas season. We pray that you will be at the centre of all that happens over the next few weeks, and that as we see your hand at work, we will want to come into your presence with a sense of worship, praise and thanks. We similarly ask that all those leading activities to reach out to others throughout the year will be given the strength and the energy to keep up the wonderful work that they're doing. And we pray that these opportunities will result in much blessing. Our Father, we want to be a welcoming church family. We want to be seen as such, compassionate and comparing in all we do, thus reflecting the love that you have for all. Your word tells us in Psalm 145, verse 8, that you are gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. As people from our local community come into our premises over the next while, we ask that you will help them to feel at home in our midst and that the relationships which result will lead to the extension of your kingdom as people begin to understand your call on their lives. We need your wisdom and guidance at this time to know how to present your message to those who come and how caring relationships can be developed amongst us. We ask that you will show us your plans and purposes so that we will be blessed and you glorified. At this time, we seem to be living in a world given over to despair as we see the many different problems around us, problems in so many areas that seem to be intractable with answers that are hard to find. But we know that you are the God who provides hope in the most difficult of circumstances. You have promised that when we come to you in sincere prayer, you will point to the right paths. Help us, therefore, to become people of prayer, trusting in your promises. We pray this morning for the various world leaders who we see on TV quite often at the moment, who are looking for solutions to what's happening in Israel and Gaza, as well as Ukraine. And ask that they will come to see the answers can be found in you. Hebrews 6, chapter 19, sorry, Hebrews 6, verse 19, tells us that our hope in you is like an anchor that keeps our soul firm and secure. We ask that wise and courageous decisions will be taken over the coming weeks, leading to lasting peace. We pray for the humanitarian workers in Gaza who are sacrificing so much and pray that they will be sustained in the wonderful and sometimes miraculous work that they're doing. For those who honour your name, we pray that your spirit be with them and strengthen them. We ask these prayers this morning in faith, knowing that you're listening and you will answer in ways that are best for us all. We ask them in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Robert. Um, now we're going to stand, we're going to sing away in a manger.
Bible reading uh, this morning is Luke chapter 1, Luke 1, verses 5 uh, to 21. Luke 1, 5 to uh, 21. For generations have, or, sorry, <laughs> sorry, Look, I'm looking at this, right, okay, got it now. In the time of King Herod of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah, who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were upright in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commandments and regulations blamelessly, but they had no children because Elizabeth was barren and they were both well on in years. Once when Zachariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshippers were praying outside. And then an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you're to give him the name John. He will be a joy and delight to you. And many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from birth. Many of the people of Israel will he bring back to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man and my wife is well on in years. The angel answered, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I've been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their proper time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. And this is the word of God. For generations, heaven had waited, uh, waited in anticipation. It was almost like a pregnancy. The time had come. Uh, its expectation and the excitement uh, rose as the generation when God's Son would come to earth was finally here. Now, Christmas is a time of preparations. We all make our preparations. You know, we order the turkey, we send the cards, we buy the presents, we make the trifle, we get the tree from the attic, we decorate the house, we wrap the presents, we buy the TV guide, we visit the graveyard, we stock the freezer, we fill the sweetie box, we, we make the, the stuffing, we boil the broth, we visit friends and family who perhaps we haven't seen since last Christmas, and all of this... We, so we can sit down and enjoy Christmas Day, a day that comes as quickly and goes as quickly as any other day. But the preparations which God made for the birth of His Son, it would affect people their whole lives, not just for one day, it would be for all of eternity. These preparations were for some, something that no one would ever have hoped or imagined preparations for the birth of God's own Son, 
Nothing in history has ever happened like that before. Nothing ever since. Is it any wonder that God says to himself, or God says, my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways. You know, in the Old Testament, there'd be many prophecies, roughly about a thousand prophecies to do with the coming of Christ and his ministry. But it had been talked so far, but now it was being put in place. It was happening before people's very eyes. But before God's Son would go public, God was about to speak through a man um, the world would never forget. And we've come to know him as John the Baptist. He's a man that's referred to as Elijah as well. When the disciples said that Elijah must come before, before the Messiah, and Jesus says to his disciples, that Elijah has already come, talking about John the Baptist. So I want to just look today about the ministry of John the Baptist. He was an Elijah empowered, first of all. He'd, be, he'd been, been prophesied in Malachi 4, God would send Elijah before the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And just like any good father looking out for his son, God would provide a man who was after God's own heart to prepare the way for his son, and his son would enter the situation not alone, but with someone who had already made preparation for him coming. Looking after his son right from the very beginning. And the wheels of God's salvation plan, it began to move. Uh, the day an angel showed up in the temple as Zechariah went to burn incense. Now, in the temple, you might be quite surprised at this, but in the temple there were 18,000 priests all together in that temple in Jerusalem. And uh, there weren't enough duties basically to go around all of the priests. So they, they, they drew lots to see who could have a privilege of particular types of ministry in the temple. A priest could not offer incense more than once in his entire life, and some may never get to offer incense. Now, incense in the temple, it was a visual symbol of what the prayers of God's people are like heading up towards heaven. And so, when the priest was in with the incense and lighting the incense and doing all of that, um, there were people always standing outside at that period, praying, 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 as the priest was inside. So, incense was a visual illustration of the prayers of God. You know, it's thought unlikely that on such a day that Zachariah's one prayer would be for himself. Zachariah, you could say, had his own problems. Him and his wife Elizabeth, they had been barren. They longed for a son or a daughter. They longed for a child. They couldn't have a child. And, and I'm sure like any parents, they prayed and they prayed and they prayed and they prayed and nothing was happening. But the role of a priest on this very special day for Zachariah, because he, this was probably the highlight of his whole ministry. This day was so special. It would not happen again going in to offer incense. And so, as a good priest, I reckon he was praying for the spiritual renewal of the whole land, of the people. God, bring about renewal. God, there's people standing outside this temple, and they're joining me in prayer, and they're praying up towards heaven, and we're putting these prayers towards heaven. God, bring spiritual renewal. Bring fire back into people's hearts and lives. Bring your relationship 
with them back in again. Now, uh, we suspect that's the kind of prayer was prayed because suddenly an angel appears to the right-hand side of the incense table and begins to talk about this very thing. And the angel begins to say, you know, it tells that God is about to bring a spiritual renewal to Israel and that Zachariah's son, Zachariah's child, would be the one who would grow up to lead many people back to God. <laughs> amazing thing, an amazing thing. And he says, Elizabeth will bear you a son. You shall call him John. And he'll turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. So God is answering two requests there. He's answering a personal request. We've prayed, Elizabeth and I have prayed for many years for a son. You're going to have a son. I'm praying for the revival of Israel. I'm praying that people's hearts would be turned back to God again. That's what's going to happen. And he's going to use your son. So we're told that John, uh, his name is the Lord is gracious. John means the Lord is gracious. And obviously any child that's named by God is going to have a special ministry uh, in, in God's plan. And we're told he was filled with the Holy Spirit even whilst he was in his own mother's womb. You know, if we move forward through the pages of time, we find that he grows up in the wilderness. It's suspected there was a group called the Essenes and they lived in the wilderness, and they were very much into, into prayer and understanding the Scriptures, and it's suspected that he possibly was part of the Essene group. And later in his life, he spends many days, he spends days and nights alone with God, praying, seeking, reading the Scriptures, allowing the Scriptures, the Word of God, go into his head and into his heart and to fire up his soul until he was ready just to go and, whew, and give it out and preach in the name of God. You know, and we see him explode, basically. It is like an explosion. John the Baptist, it's, he's like an explosion. Under the pages of history, he's like a volcano. He preaches repentance without any compromise whatsoever. Uh, and he preaches to the man on the street, to the highest Pharisee in the temple. He is Elijah, empowered in fire with the Holy Spirit. The angel had said that he would go in the spirit and power of Elijah. You know, when we think of Elijah, when I think of Elijah in the Old Testament, I think of him facing those uh, prophets of Baal, like 450 prophets of Baal, and the test comes with regards to whose God is going to answer by fire. We'll not use matches. We'll not use flint. Is the Baal God going to do it, or is our God, Yahweh, going to light these, these bonfires? And the Baal God fails to turn up, but Yahweh, the fire falls from heaven down onto the the, the, the uh, altar and the whole oxen takes light and God is declared and the people of God, that's when the people of God who were sitting on the fence and compromising, that's when the people of God, when they saw that, they got down on their knees and they said, He is the Lord our God. Yahweh is the Lord our God. He is the true God. Baal's a makeshift rubbish God. This is our God, 
and they come back. And Elijah is to do the same thing. He's to bring the people in the power of the Spirit of God, bring the people back to the living God. Bring them back. Bring them back. And, uh, you know, John would look the devil in the face and not flinch. He, had, he could challenge every servant of Satan amongst the Pharisees and challenge them as well as every other man and woman to repent, to turn back to God. You know, not all of us have the personality of John the Baptist, who I'm sure if he arrived today, if he preached today, he'd be called a fanatic. Many people would laugh at him, make fun of him. But his voice still calls to us from the pages of the New Testament to have a passion for repentance. Sin grieves God. Do you want to grieve God? Do you want to hurt him? If you don't, turn from sin and honor him and delight him. You know, his, his voice is there in the New Testament crying throughout the ages to walk in God's ways, to have a hunger to follow Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and to face the devil in our own lives and to tell him to go. But secondly, John would be an Elijah who would prepare the way. The angel tells Zechariah that his son John would turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. And John's job was to turn them back to God. But this was, like, it's not, it wasn't just going to be easy. It was not going to be easy. It was going to be incredibly difficult because over the years, there'd been a big wall built up between God's people and God. There was arrogance. There was pride. There was idolatry. There was stubborn hearts. There was jealousy. There was lust. There was all sorts of stuff that they had been involved in that pushed God away and built a big wall, a big brick wall between them. It wasn't going to be easy to bring them back. And John, we're told, was to fulfill the prophecy of Isaiah, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight, Every valley shall be filled, and every mountain and hill brought low, and crooked places shall be made straight, the rough places made smooth. In other words, he was to clear the rubbish, clear the rubbish from people's hearts, clear the rubbish that Christ may reach directly into their hearts and lives. You know, you have to walk down a valley. That takes time and energy coming back up the mountain. If you're climbing a mountain, it slows you down. So he was to cut the mountains down. He was to raise the valleys. He was to tarmac the rough places to make it smooth so that when Christ appeared, Christ had a highway to people's souls and a more direct route into people's souls. Get rid of the rubbish. Get rid of the idolatry. Tell them what's what. Tell them to turn from sin and to turn from God and to seek him, to clear the way that Christ, when he comes, that Christ's words might be like an arrow to the heart and to the soul. I wonder if John the Baptist came to us today, 
came to the church in Northern Ireland today. I wonder what he'd say to us. I wonder what he'd say to us. You know, he might say, stop getting caught up with things that don't matter. Stop getting caught up with small things and get back to seeking God because it's only in seeking God that we will find God's Spirit come down in power and in revival. You know, when he, he was like a detonator, really. He called, he said to the Pharisees, you brood of vipers. He said, you say that you've got your, your sons of Abraham, and God could turn those stones into sons of Abraham. By his preaching, he was demolishing pretenses in the religion. He was demolishing falsehood that they'd set up, hypocrisy that they'd set up. And as a people, he wanted the rubbish to be cleared. He wanted them to repent from the rubbish and to get back to God again. Get back to God again. He was an Elijah empowered and preparing the way. You know, Zechariah could um, probably believe that God could bring, sorry, could bring spiritual renewal. I said, I, I was wondering about this, you know, as he prayed two prayers, God, you know, I really want a, I want a child. I've been praying that for a long time. And God, I want revival, I want renewal, I want our people back. And he was answering the two prayers. And I was wondering, I wonder what sort of faith, I think Zechariah would have had more faith for renewal of Israel than he would have had for a child. We're old. What's God going to do? We are old. But when the angel came and he said, listen, you're going to have a child, you're going to have a son, and you're going to call him John, he couldn't believe it. He couldn't believe it. And uh, in fact, I, th I do believe Gabriel got angry with him at this point. Because Gabriel turns around and says, I am standing in the presence of God right now. My name is Gabriel, and I am bringing you a message from the living God. And from, you won't be able to tell anybody about your son. You'll not be able to tell him their name until he's born. You're going to be mute. The most exciting thing that's ever happened to him in his whole life, and he can't tell anybody about it. And uh, it's just, it, God is basically telling him, I want you to go away and think about what's happened today in this temple and allow your faith to grow so that when your son does arrive, you have the faith that he's going to do what I've said he will do. But thirdly and finally then, John would be an Elijah who would test the waters. You know, like, like when you throw a piece of, of meat into a tank full of sharks, you'll see the sharks devouring the meat, uh, gripping it with their sharp teeth, pulling it apart, and Jerusalem and Judea, it was a very volatile place, like throwing meat into sharks. How volatile was it? Well, the preacher, John the Baptist, the preacher of repentance, preacher of morality, he was arrested and he was executed, and that's how volatile it was. And the Son of God was to walk these roads as a sheep among wolves, 
and his birth would start him down a road that would lead him ultimately to his crucifixion, to his death. But as God the Father prepared the way for his son's birth, he prepared also for his son's death. And all of this to make preparations for our own spiritual security. That as he comes to earth to be in our home, that we might one day go to be in his home. What preparations have you made for eternity? You know, we make so many preparations for Christmas Day. But in 24 hours, the day is gone until the following year. And it feels a wee bit like an anticlimax. A bit like our lives. James talks about our lives being like a vapor, a breath, a puff of steam. It's here, and then a little while it's gone. And in our lives, we put so much time in an energy in the temporal things, which are going to pass away. But we put so little time in eternal things. If God thought it was so important to prepare for our eternity, shouldn't we? John the Baptist, he sacrificed and suffered in doing God's will, but the most wonderful experience made up for it all when he stood before Jesus and he baptized Jesus, the Son of God, right before him, and he was able to say to his followers, to his listeners, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. In two weeks we celebrate Christmas Day, but Jesus was not born in order just to become another date on our calendar. The birth of Jesus means nothing if the one who came to seek for us does not find us seeking for him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Lord, I wish we could just have a blueprint, Lord, and from heaven of all of the actual preparations you did that your son would come down to us. And Lord, I don't know if you ever worry, but Lord, if you do, the worries that you would have had, the implications of sending your son into a very volatile atmosphere, a very volatile place where they would mistreat him, that they would, they would call him names, they would blaspheme against him, they would grab him, they'd try to stone him, they'd whip him on his back and punch him in the face. And Lord, you knew all that was coming, and yet you still sent him. I just want to thank you, Lord. We want to thank you for doing that. And we want to thank you, God, for not giving up on us. And I pray, Lord, that in those preparations where you come seeking for us, may we make sure that we seek for you, that we have made preparations for eternity. Because you've went through uh, the fire to bring us to yourself. Help us not to shove them to one side and get caught up with temporal things. 
In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. We're going to finish with, uh, uh, these are the days of Elijah, Robin Mark song from quite a few years ago. Uh, showing my age now, but um, these are the days of Elijah.
now may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us now and forevermore until Jesus comes again. Amen. Thank you.